0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Hi, everybody. It's always such a joy to share with you. Bill and I love this church, love you guys, and I feel so overwhelmed with thankfulness for church that God thought it up. but It was his idea. And I've just been thinking about in preparation for this message, it's the last sermon in the Being Church series, I've been thinking about how I've been so impacted by church my whole life. From Sunday school as a little girl to just growing up and learning about him and learning about him through you guys. You know, through doing things together. Through hardships and having support from one another. Through... I've been healed so many times by you guys praying for me. Like Parts of my body that were in pain stopped being in pain because of prayers from the church. Um, corporate worship, how amazing is that? I love worshiping alone at home. And, but something about when we corporately gather together, it's so powerful. Um, in fact, I'll just share with you guys this, this quick testimony. It was about a month ago, I'd been dealing with this like week-long oppressive spirit of depression that I just was like hovering over me, and I was praying and spending time with the Lord, and it was just kind of the struggle that week, and it was on a Sunday morning during worship, and we were singing the name of Jesus and just proclaiming his name, Jesus, 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 over the things, and, and I just felt everything lift and break free, and it's been gone since. I mean, I love church. It's amazing. God, thank you for coming up with that idea. You're so cool. All right. Well, um, the title of my sermon today is The Heart of a Servant. And, um, you know, we know how important it is to to serve. And we've touched on this in the series already about how Jesus was the ultimate example of a servant he gave everything he gave his life and he called his disciples you know wash the feet of one another and be a servant and so it's so good to just kind of evaluate our heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to us this morning how are we doing in that area are we having the heart of a servant or is there some way we can grow we know verses like what you do for the least of these you do for me And so when we stop and pray for someone or give someone an encouraging smile or give them something that they need, whatever it might be, you're doing that for Jesus. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And so we want to get creative and think about, well, how can I do good to my fellow believers, to the people in my church. And um, in any way we can do that, that is following that verse and, and what the Lord wants. And so we are actually going to look at an amazing example of someone who had the heart of a servant in the Bible. We're going to look at the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000 and how the boy who gave his lunch is, is the perfect example of someone with a servant heart. And so um, this story is actually recorded in all four Gospels, and that's always fun because you can get a real comprehensive understanding of what happened, all four Gospels. So I'm actually going to read to you from the account from um, John, the book of John, and then just for fun, we're going to act it out. So if you're good at charades, be thinking about hopping up here in just a minute. And, um, and then we'll dig into it and see what we can learn from the story this morning. All right, you guys ready? Okay, John chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. (laughs) Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will it go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. All right, so who wants to help me act this out? I need some disciples, some disciples. Who's going to be some disciples for me? All right, my wonderful father, Richard Kent. Okay, good. Roxanne, you come and be a disciple. David, come on. You want to be a disciple? Disciples are going to stand right here. Dan. Dan. You're, you're an actor. You come. <laughs> who, okay, so I actually need a, because um, in the story we've got an Andrew and we've got a Philip. So who can be, do you want to do it or no? Andrew. You're Andrew. Okay, so you'll be Andrew. And then I need um, a Philip. Okay, so you be Philip. And then I'm going to need a Jesus. So, and I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Arizona. Arizona, oh yeah, I remember your name now. Okay, so you can come and be Jesus. And then, Micah, will you be the boy who offers to give his lunch? You do that? Okay. Okay, so if you guys will stand in this part of the stage and stay within this black platform, then you'll be in the width of the video that's being recorded. Did you know that the sermons are recorded every week and you can watch them on YouTube? So, anyway, interesting. Okay, so Jesus, where are you? (laughs) You're going to need to be in the front here. Okay, so here we go. Charade style. I'll explain it and you guys act it out, okay? Okay, so you guys are actually, disciples, you're tired because you have just gotten back from being sent out two by two on a ministry journey, you've just gotten back, you're reporting everything that happened, but you're really exhausted. Jesus, you're really sad because John the Baptist was just beheaded. So you guys, are, you guys are kind of sad, you're tired, and you're hungry, and Jesus notices this. So he says to his disciples, let's go get some rest, let's go to a solitary place. And so you cross the Sea of Galilee, so let's cross the Sea of Galilee. Let's go over here. good job all right and then kind of stay up on this black platform if you can so but what happened is this large crowd followed you and Jesus as you do you have compassion on the crowd and you begin to teach them begin to teach them all things about the kingdom of heaven you heal their sick. Who's sick? <laughs> Anyone sick today? Brad, Both. Julie, be healed. Heal the sick. Happen. I know. And so um, he heals the sick all day long. And these observant disciples begin to realize it's getting late. It's really late, Jesus. Don't you think? And you guys, you you start to tell Jesus, send the people away to go get some food. We don't have food for them. But Jesus says, you give them something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus says to Philip, which one was Philip? Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat, Philip? Costco. <laughs> he said Costco. <laughs> and um, and then you say eight months wages wouldn't even on, money for that. Yeah. Wouldn't even give everyone a nibble. All right, so then Jesus says to his disciples, Well, what do we have? Go and see. So you send your disciples into the crowd to see what there is. What have we got? So Andrew, oh, we have we have a boy willing to give his lunch. So Andrew brings the boy to Jesus and says, here is someone with five loaves and two fish. And, and Jesus thanks the Lord for it. Thank you, Jesus. He, be, he begins to break it. And everyone there that day eats their fill. Yes. <laughs> and pull, go ahead and pull the fish out, too. Yeah, there's some tuna in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it'll smell. <laughs> okay, okay, good job, actors. Good job. Thank you. Sure, sure, I'll collect the props. Oh, man, that was funny. Good job, guys. Yes, so talented. Ooh, okay. So, we can, so we're going to look at how the boy in the story is the perfect example of a servant-hearted person because of two reasons. Number one, he believed that what he had had worth. He believed that his lunch was worth something. And number two, he wanted to give what he had. He had the desire and the willingness to give. So let's dive into these two points. Number one, he believed his lunch had worth. He recognized, I have what Jesus is looking for. Jesus is looking for food. I have some. He saw worth, he saw value in what he had. He looked in his lap and said, what I have is good. And, and he was willing to, to, to um, give it. But what he didn't say was, my five loaves and two fish aren't good enough. What I have to offer is so meager, if I bring this, Jesus will probably laugh at me. I mean, you know, but Jesus didn't, he didn't say, Jesus didn't say, oh, well, really, this, this is all you've got? This is all you have to offer? (laughs) He didn't say, now, if you had brought ten loaves and five fish, then I could have worked with it? I can't work with this. No, because it didn't actually matter how much the boy had. It doesn't matter the amount of what we have, it's the seeing the value in it and bringing it to Jesus. And Jesus was going to multiply with whatever it was in the lunch. It was one loaf and one fish. It didn't matter. Jesus was going to be the one to feed the crowd. But he was looking for someone willing to step up, someone willing to say, I've got something you can use, Jesus. You can use my lunch. You can work through my lunch. The boy also didn't say... I'm just a kid. How could my help make a difference? The other poor, more important people should do it. You know, he didn't uh, invalidate himself you know, or discredit himself. How often do we do that and find some way how we're not, you know, we're somehow less than to be able to offer what we have? But what the boy had was the faith of a child. Jesus needs food. I have some. It was just this completely uncomplicated faith of a child. Now, it helped that he was a child, so having the faith of a child might be easier when you are a child. <laughs> um, but, but it's so important to have that faith of a child. Remember when um, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child up and said, um, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so, I think in life, whenever we can find ways to be childlike, we need to do it. That's the way into the kingdom of heaven to have that uncomplicated, simple faith. Jesus needs something. You can use mine. You can work through what I have, and then humble. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest. So humility is so important in this, too. So the application for this first point here is, do we see the value in what we have? Um, Or do we invalidate what we could give? Do we invalidate ourselves? Um, Are we looking at our lunch only with natural eyes, or do we have the faith of a child and factor in Jesus' ability to multiply his ability to work and use what we can offer to feed others. Number two, the boy wanted to give what he had. He was eager and happy to do that. This just kind of blows me away. Like, he was willing to go without food for the good of others. He said, he's thinking, I'll sacrifice my meal and go hungry. So that Jesus can have what, what he's looking for. But how many of you know that's not how Jesus works? Right. He never... In, in the natural, I give you something, I don't have it anymore. That's normal, right? Not with God. You give God something, he makes sure you're fed and everybody else. He's amazing. He has a different Completely different um, economy or system. And you actually end up with more than what you have. So everyone ate their fill. What if that boy's fill was more than five loaves and two fish? What if he he could have eaten more that day? It's amazing, but he was willing for the good of others to go without his meal. Um, But why is it that he ended up getting his fill? It's because he stuck around. He stayed to be fed. What if he had said, here's my lunch. So happy I could give you what you were looking for, Jesus. Yeah. What if he left? What if he's like, well, I don't have food now, so I better get, you know, go to this neighboring town and find something to eat. But no, he stayed. He, he, um, he put himself... In a position to be fed. He he sat in a group of 50. He, he stayed. You know, how many times, what if, what if, what if you came to church and you made the coffee and then you left? I did my job, I gave. That's not what it's about. It's about giving, yes, but then sticking around and being filled. Put yourself in the group. Position yourself. To be filled and, and met in every way, um, but it feel it can feel kind of vulnerable to do that because we can have this lack mentality that like I've given and now I don't have, so I kind of feel maybe a little awkward, and so I'm just gonna go <laughs> or whatever. But it, if it takes trust to go, well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna be fed. I'm gonna, you know, maybe I served in nursery, and, but I'm gonna come. I I I'm going to position myself to be fed. I'm going to come up, I'm going to get prayer. I'm going to go find that, that woman who is mentoring me, that man who's full of wisdom, and I'm going to, you know, tell, ask them advice on something. I'm going to say, this is where I'm at. Will you speak into that? You know, I'm going to go initiate conversations with people that, that can encourage me. I'm going to come, I'm going to be a part of worship. Whatever it is, you position yourself to be fed, filled. Um, and so, and then here's another thing, so with 5,000 men, how many like total people do you think were probably there? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> easily, I mean there easily could have been 5,000 women, a couple thousand kids, there easily could have been maybe like 10 or 12,000 people there that day, right? Um, someone else had to have food, right? Have you ever thought about that in this story? I'm like, you know, the probability is, it's like impossible to me that anyone else wouldn't have had food. But why didn't they give? I think there's three reasons. Number one, they either didn't see the value in what they had, they either didn't want to give it, or they didn't know there was a need that's like the practical side of me that goes, well did really all 12,000 of them hear that food was needed? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, but the boy didn't wait for someone else. He gave. He didn't say, well someone else with more time or money can do it. Um, other people are much better at lunch giving than I am. You know, I'm just, they can do it. He didn't compare. He didn't judge people who weren't giving what they had. Well, I know Susie over there has some snacks in her bag. She's not giving those. You know, he wasn't (laughs) (laughs) judging anyone else. He he wasn't prideful. Like, oh, I'm I'm too good to help in this situation. I'm, you know, I'm too good to do that job. I'm I'm not going to give my lunch. No, the boy didn't do any of these things. He was too busy being a part of the miracle. He was too busy being a part of the story. He was right up there. Andrew brought him right up to Jesus and and he's there as Jesus is thanking the Father and breaking the fish and the bread and multiplying it. And he's a part of the story. He's a part of the miracle. He saw his lunch feed all these people. He was probably just blown away. My little lunch that I was willing to give had that type of impact. I, I bet that. Oh, it would be fun to see that boy in heaven, see how that changed his life. Mm-hmm. The application here. Are we willing to offer what we have, or do we hold back? Do we think, um, if I give what I have, I'll be without? Do we function on that lack, uh, train of thought? Um, when we serve, after we give, do we stick around and put ourselves in position to be fed? and trust that we will get fed. Do we step up, or we just wait for someone else to step up? Do we uh, compare and judge and have prideful feelings, or are we eagerly willing to give what we have and be a part of the miracle? And see, I'm talking a lot about, you know, let's be willing to give what we have, you know, and um, the cool thing about Jesus is he's not unreasonable. He never asks us to give anything that we don't have. He never calls us to give what we don't have. He's so, he's so kind. He's so good. And um, I think, you know, we can have wisdom in connection with the Lord and pray and say, God, what, what am I able to give? What do I have capacity to give? See worth in that and be willing to give that to the body, to the fellow believers. That's the goal here. Um, but, okay, so he never calls us to give what we don't have. And it's this is a beautiful story in um, 1 Kings 17. Do you guys know the, remember this story when there's the famine and Elijah... Um, comes to the widow, and she only has a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. She's getting ready to make her last little bit of bread for her and her son to eat, and then they're going to die because there's famine. But he comes and he says to her, will you first make me a small cake of of bread from what you have? And then make the rest for you and your son. Asking her to give from what, what she has. And what she had was enough, was enough for God to use. Enough for God to work through. And then was there lack after that? Was that the end of the, the flour and the oil? No. It didn't run out the entire famine. They, he multiplied it throughout the whole famine, and they were able to eat their fill every day. That's how God works. It's amazing. So let's talk about how this applies to New Day. We've got the serve... Um, wall up in the foyer and you can see all the different serve teams and many of you have already signed up for the team and the leaders are pictured there and it's just wonderful to see all the teams come together and each do a little bit to put on these services where we can have church and we can come together and so thank you to everybody who's been serving this year faithfully. Um, It's just wonderful and I look forward to how next year is going to, how this coming serve year is going to be and and where you'll find to plug in. Um, But just to give you an update, it's going really well so far. You can see a lot of the spots are filled. A couple teams are full, but most of the teams still need a few more people. I know Children's Ministry in particular still needs eight um, more people. And um, so please just consider, what do I have to give? And, you know, I'll say in in um, in particular with children's ministry, if what you have is once a month, offer that. That's okay. You know, I'm actually doing that because I felt like that's all I could give. <laughs> so um, we did children's ministry years ago and loved it. For like three years we did children's ministry together and then we were youth leaders um, and worship team and welcome team. It's been really fun over the years to kind of dip our toes in the different teams and and be able to serve in different ways, Um, but it's fun to circle back around, and okay, I took a break from one for a while, and now I'm going to go back to it, and um, you kind of can't go wrong, right? You're just giving what you have um, for God to use to bless the body. So, um, oh, I also wanted to say that I've had the privilege to talk with maybe like eight or 10 of you about where you're thinking of serving this year, and I've been so blessed by you guys. Such servant hearts. Just, you guys are just wanting to like think about where can I serve, and you wanna serve, and you're considering things. I'm just so blessed by your hearts. It's amazing. So, um, oh, I, I just wanna reiterate. Um, Cameron actually mentioned a little bit last week, but one of our goals this serve year is to really um, like, kind of lighten the load with serving, and, um, and we're asking everyone to be involved at church in some way. And for a lot of you, it will look like participating on a serve team, but not necessarily for all of you. You might find a different way to plug in and be connected because maybe your health doesn't allow you to commit to a team. Maybe your work schedule doesn't allow you to commit to a team. Maybe you're kind of burned out in life if your kids are at a certain age, and maybe one spouse serves and the other one's kind of keeping tabs on the kids, whatever. Uh, there, there may be a situation. Maybe you're going through something and you need to take a, a season off from serving. Um, and that's okay. Take a season off. Don't take a season off from God. Don't take a season off from community, but if you need to take a season off from serving, that, that's okay from time to time, okay? But what we've done is we've pared down the number of people needed to still have all of our teams function, which is beautiful, because now fewer people are needed to still have um, all the teams function, so we really want to just lighten that load and, and, and care well for you guys, but still encourage you to use your gifts to bless the body. Does that sound good? Yes. Yes. Right. Um, All right, so here's another thing that's really cool from this story of when Jesus feeds 5,000. I love the part when Jesus tests Philip. Did you catch that when we were reading it? when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And so Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He already had his plan. Whatever crumb or It didn't matter, but whatever was there, he was going to multiply it, everyone was going to be fed. But he took the opportunity, because he's such a good leader, and he wants to teach us this morning the same thing, to pull Philip aside first and say, hey, see this problem? What do you think? What do you think the solution would be? He was teaching Philip, here we have a natural problem. Are you going to give me a natural solution or a supernatural solution? And that day, Philip gave him a natural solution. But we know that Philip learned the lesson at some point because this is the same guy who in Acts 8 catches up to a chariot when when the Lord says, hey, go catch up with that chariot and stick with it. So he's like, okay. I mean, Philip must have kind of figured out this whole supernatural thing by now, right? He's like going with it. So he just chases down a chariot and sticks with it. And he's overhearing the eunuch inside is reading the scriptures and is confused, doesn't know what they mean. So he's like, well, I could explain that to you if you want. Well, he's keeping up with the chariot. <laughs> and, and the eunuch's like, sure, come on in. And, and so Philip goes in the chariot, reveals the scriptures to him. The man is radically saved and, and, and becomes a follower of Jesus right then and there. He wants to get baptized right away. Oh, there's some water. Let's pull over. And... Um, Philip's baptizing the eunuch, and right when he starts lifting him up out of the water, poof, the Holy Spirit lifts Philip up. His physical body is moved to a different city where he is now preaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit wanted him to preach over here, so he moved him. Okay. Do you see why Jesus wanted Philip to factor in the supernatural? He's like, I've got some things I want to do with you. There's some things we can do together, but I need you to see what we can do together. I need you to learn how to factor in the supernatural. I need you to see this problem and go, instead of saying, with eight months' wages, it's hopeless, it's depressing, there's no answer. Negative, negative, negative. He needs us with Jesus, everyone can have their fill. And I just wonder with us, I wonder if the reason why we're not running down chariots and seeing people miraculously saved and baptized and transported to a different city is because maybe we haven't passed the first test yet. Maybe we're still seeing with natural eyes. You don't know what's thought. But let's have that perspective. Everyone can have their fill. Um, Just a note for serve leaders, if you're in the room today. Jesus is saying the same thing to you today. Will you look at supernatural eyes at your team, and will you you go out among the people, and will you see what there is, who has a lunch, who knows that what they have is worth giving, and who wants to give it. Draw them out, bring them to me, so I can multiply and feed the congregation. It's not up to you to feed the congregation. It wasn't up to the boy God is going to do that, but the leader needs to, we have to have the faith of a child, believe the supernatural part of the equation, and go out and see what's there and bring it to Jesus. Is that good? Yeah, so I just want to say this morning that um, maybe as I've been sharing some stories, and when I was talking about the eunuch and Philip and the chariot and everything, maybe you feel like you could relate to the eunuch, where um, you've kind of been wondering about Jesus. There's some things that maybe don't quite make sense to you, you have some questions, you don't have a relationship with him yet, but you're curious, you, you feel a pull toward him. Well, I just want to say that today is the day of salvation. Um, it's not by accident that you're here today. Jesus loves you. He created you. He longs for a close relationship with you. And um, I just encourage you to not leave today without talking to me or the person who brought you or someone from the prayer team. And, and begin that, get your questions answered and begin that relationship with him today. But um, as I've been describing the boy's servant heart, um, hopefully, you know, you've gotten this picture of, of what, we are all, what we're all striving for, seeing the value in what we have and, and wanting to give it. And, and maybe as I've been sharing, many of you are like, yeah, that is me. I know that what I have, God can use, and I give it. So if that's you, awesome. Great job, and hopefully today has just been a good reminder for you to stay the course. Um, But if, as I've been sharing, you realize, oh, well, my attitude towards serving isn't exactly like the boy in the story, Um, today is a great day to repent and change. It's a great day to turn over a new leaf and have a change of heart. Um, And, you know, I just want to say... You know, maybe you say, well, merrily that all sounds good. I'd like to have that servant heart, but I've got this thing. I've always been insecure. Or it didn't go so well one time when I tried. <laughs> or I've always had to take care of me my whole life. So the thought of giving and taking care of someone else makes me feel a little bit scared, like, well, what about me? So I'm going to just plug healing and restoration real quick. <laughs> <laughs> that um, if you are struggling with insecurity or a lack of trust that you'll be cared for or even like pride that keeps you from being willing to serve, well, guess what? There's probably a reason why you have that. Either something happened in your life or lots of some things happened in your life over a long period of years or something in your family line passed on to you generationally. There's some kind of wound. There's some kind of stronghold that can be broken. You can be set free from all of that, so that all of the, and this is why, because all of the emotional energy that it takes for you to hide your wound, maintain your wound, compensate for your wound, make excuses for your wound, can be all used somewhere else. You will actually have emotional energy and a capacity to serve. And so you free up all of that, um, that space. Emotional energy space. So I encourage you, if, if that's you and you go, yep, I'm, I definitely can see I'm held back in the area of serving because of some kind of a, a wound or something that I talked about, talk to Bill and I. We lead the Healing and Restoration Ministry. Your first step will be to read about it and fill out a waiver, which are located in the spinning display by the welcome table, if that is something that you want to pursue but my heart today is that um, Levi, you can go ahead Um, that our church would just be filled that everyone would have this servant's heart you know, and that I want you to think about Well, what's something that I can offer this week what's in my lunch what can I give to Jesus and say, here you go and let him use it to minister to somebody this week maybe it'll be an encouraging word Maybe it'll be a smile, a hug, a praying for someone. I don't know what it's going to be. But you all have something. I encourage you to offer it to Jesus so that others, so that he can uh, feed the people through it.